Hello and welcome to another edition of the Prepping for Pregame podcast. My name is Pete Rudin, alongside the Daily Iowans. Anna Kaiser. Robert Reed. Pete Mills. And we have an excellent time planned out for this little podcast we got going. And guys, things are changing rapidly this season. I was only 4-1 and one now. They have entered the L column. They, they did. They, in fact, lost their first game in the season. We can confirm that. And it was a pretty gross game, if we're being honest. It, it was one of the, from an offensive standpoint, one of the ugliest games of football I've ever watched at any level. Iowa, Michigan almost wanted to let Iowa back in the games throughout most of the second half. But Iowa just couldn't take advantage of that. Penalties, eight sacks by the Michigan defense. It just killed Iowa's chances of winning that game. And you don't have a lot of chances to win when you give up eight sacks and throw three picks. But like you said, Robert, Michigan literally gave Iowa how many chances to win that game? It was like a contest between who won it at least. And Iowa won that contest. At yeah. least from an offensive standpoint. Bill Parker and Don Brown are <laughs> artists. That game should be booked as a defensive masterpiece and just like hung up in the Louvre. It was beautiful. In the Louvre. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. But at the same time, it was such a wasted defensive performance because Iowa could only put up three points on a 22-yard field goal. Yeah, and defensively, some of the stars that shined in that game, I thought Cho- uh, Chauncey Golson had his best game for Iowa this season. Starting to see the whole defensive line really rushed the pass- passer as well as they have all year. Then in the secondary, Geno Stone looked like an NFL player out there against Michigan, tackling in the open field. And then Michael Ojemudia continued his stellar season as a cornerback. He did get beat a couple times early in the game, but he responded well, didn't give up any huge plays, and just another good game for him this year. And speaking of Geno Stone, he really did look like an NFL caliber safety. That play on third down where he came out of nowhere, he couldn't even be seen on the TV screen, comes in, makes the tackle in the, in the open field, and then gets that pick. He pretty much played a flawless game for a defense that was incredible. Talking about Geno Stone, in a recent interview I did with Marvin McNutt, McNutt compared Geno Stone in the way he's playing right now to Tyler Sash, which is about as good as comparison you can want if you're Geno Stone. Tyler Sash is one of the best defensive backs I was had in recent memory, and to be compared to him is really a testament to how well he's playing right now. Just not a lot of great takeaways from Saturday, but... The secondary looked about as about as good as it's looked all year. The defensive line made some noise. The just going into Penn State, Sean Clifford, their Penn State's quarterback, has is really underrated and has had a really good year so far. That defense had a great performance leading up to this big game, which we'll talk about later. But I don't know. This, there's a lot of people wanting to set fire to the Hawkeye football program on Twitter. The season's still going. The defense is really, really, really good this year. Special. So, don't lose hope. And there's really no reason for everyone to just be going in right now because in the end, it's one game, one crossover game, and there are still good takeaways for on that game. Like the defense, Ty- Tyler Goodson was fantastic. He's a real running back. He's on the depth chart now. I was going with their main three. Ivory Kelly Martin seems to be the odd man out there. But Tyler Goodson has done everything to deserve that. I mean, he led the team in receiving. They split him out wide. 
threw it to him out of the backfield, ran it with him, and he has lived up to the challenge against one of the better defenses in the Big Ten. And that means a lot of good things for Iowa moving forward and its future. And obviously when you look at the defense and especially the secondary and all of the issues they've had with the guys they have had to step up because of injuries, when you look at how they played last week with none of those guys back, that's a really good sign knowing that you don't need all those guys to come back to hold wide receivers to no yards or hold running games or anything because the guys that have stepped up and the guys that have been playing for the past three weeks, while they're not, they weren't your main guys going into the season, they could play just as well as those guys. Although there weren't a lot of guys back for that game, there are quite a few people coming back against Penn State. Kirk Farron said Tuesday that Brady Reef will be back and Matt Hankins is practicing. He's questionable, but he could also contribute on Saturday. And then Julius Brents is back on the depth chart as well, which will only help that secondary. If he and Hankins are both healthy and they can both play some, that can only mean good things. And it's not like this year they have to face Miles Sanders or Saquon Barkley or Trace McSorley. Yeah, Sean Clifford, the quarterback now at Penn State Mills, said how underrated he was uh, right now. And he really is. He's not Trace McSorley, obviously. He's not going to make the plays on the ground that McSorley did so much of last year, but he's very dangerous through the air. 12 touchdown passes so far this season. Uh, Penn State has had no difficulty scoring points on opponents, and they'll be a real test for the Iowa defense again this week. And actually, um, he is a pretty big dual threat quarterback. He is a big, pretty uh, big dual threat quarterback. He averages 40 yards on the ground per game, and he has their third most rushing yards and their most attempts. So, like, obviously, he's a quarterback. But he had a couple pretty impressive runs against Purdue to open up the game, and he's going to be somebody somebody that the Hawkeyes definitely have to worry about, not just through the air, but definitely using his own feet. Yeah, and just like looking back on Michigan for a second, one thing Iowa does have going, just kind of comparing the Michigan and Iowa schedules going forward, Iowa really outside of Penn State and Wisconsin, all the other games are very winnable. But I mean, Michigan's schedule going forward, they have to play Notre Dame still, they have to play Ohio State still, they have Michigan State, they have Penn State, just like. On the outlook of a season, Michigan has a very rough schedule looking ahead, and Iowa's, you know, is a little more, a lot of beatable teams on the schedule. So just kind of going back to all the people that are saying the season's lost and everything, it's really not. Iowa has a lot going for it still, even though its offense looked rough at times. Yeah, and this game is obviously going to be huge for Iowa going forward. I'm excited to see what its defense can do after that performance against Michigan because Penn State has one of the best offenses in the country, even though they're without guys like McSorley, Barkley, and Sanders now. They're second in the Big Ten in scoring offense with 47 points a game, trailing only Ohio State. That's pretty good company. And they're also second in total offense with 499.6 yards per game. That's an explosive offense. Even though those kind of marquee guys aren't there anymore, they have moved on seamlessly. I think Sean Clifford's a big part of that. You guys talked about what he's done this season and what he can do. Iowa hasn't had a ton of success against those dual threat guys in the past. So I think this is going to be a big bounce back game even though the defense doesn't need to bounce back this is a game where it kind of needs to prove that this is one of the better defenses in the Big Ten and the other thing about Penn State they, they really haven't had 
tough contest yet this year. Yeah, I would exclude Pitt from that because that's such a big rivalry. It's kind of like Iowa and Iowa State where it doesn't really matter how good either team is. It just always seems like a fist fight. But looking at Penn State's schedule, they've played Idaho, Buffalo, Pitt, Maryland, and Purdue. So, I, I mean, of that group, Iowa's definitely the most challenging team on Penn State's schedule so far. So they haven't really seen a team like Iowa yet, and they've only played one away game at Maryland. So they relatively untested compared to Iowa. And when you look at Iowa having Penn State this week, they're obviously coming off that tough loss against a very good, well, somewhat good Michigan team. <laughs> but uh, Nate Stanley talked today at Availability about how Penn State's a challenge, but it's also a great opportunity for Iowa coming off a loss against a ranked team to have another ranked team the very next week to sort of prove it to yourself again that you can compete with these high-level opponents, be able to have a statement win against a very high-quality team. In Iowa's favor, they have this atmosphere on Saturday that's going to be incredible. Night game in Kinnick, always wild. Plus the gold alternate uniforms, the black and gold spirit game, A and F game. Flyover. Flyover. Four is it four thirty fives? That sounds right. Four four thirty fives will be flying over after the national anthem. That's gonna be lit. <laughs> <laughs> I I was uh Kinnick Stadium's definitely gonna be rocking for that game. And depending on how they play on the field, it could be rocking the whole night. And I guess you could say that flyover is also gonna be pretty fly. You could say that. I don't know if you need to say that, but you could say that. But it's pretty necessary, (laughs) if we're being honest. But just that atmosphere is unlike anything else, pretty much. It's one of the most difficult places for opposing teams in the conference to play, and I think that's going to play a big role because Iowa hasn't had that atmosphere yet this season. They had a night game to open up the season against Miami of Ohio, but that's Miami of Ohio. That's like comparing Kanye West to Takashi 6 9 One's really good, one's bad. Which one's good and which one's bad? bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kanye's good, obviously. Uh, no. Didn't you like quit music? No. He's a psychopath. Kanye's He's literally incredible. Psychopath. Most artists, like Van Gogh cut his ear off. Like, most artists have. You know. Don't call Kanye an artist. <laughs> he is an artist. Not a good one. He's a great one. Still an artist, though. Anyways, but, but yeah. outside of Anna's bad music takes. <laughs> but yeah, this is really the first time the Kinnick crowd will be there in, for lack of a better term, full force. Strike which, Yes. Ooh, You'll see what I did there. But with it, the force. But it really should be, it should benefit Iowa significantly with Penn State having to play through that sort of atmosphere. I'm just throwing this out there. Stripe games hit different. They just do. Also, night games hit different. That's true. Those fudge stripe cookies hit different. They they do. So everything with stripes hits different. Stripes do. Stripes are a power move. Night game is a power move. Zebras. Zebras are a power move. Big zebra guy. Wait, but are zebras white with black stripes or black with white stripes? They're black with white stripes. They're white with white stripes. You're literally wrong. Don't be silly. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be silly. That's not a thing. Yeah, that's not true. Are they actually white with black stripes? I think. I don't know. I'm not a zebra. (laughs) (laughs) Cannot confirm. We'll figure it out one of these days. Mills, you should become a zoologist for us. I should. Just for for that answer. For a weekly segment on zebras. (laughs) Yes. Also, Michigan cured polio. So, 
So Michigan, oh Mi- Michigan might have won this weekend, and they also <laughs> cured the world of polio. So. Way to go, can't Michigan. Be, can't be that upset Good on about you, it. Michigan. Can't be that what? upset about it. Derek Jeter didn't go there. So. Derek Jeter Not did technically, not go there. no. He thought about it at one point. Yeah. But the millions of dollars in the MLB probably were more convincing. But also, in addition to the crowd and everything going on against Penn State, Iowa has one huge advantage that no one seems to be talking about. Yes, we do have a development in the Nate Stanley goatee story. I can confirm that the goatee is officially back. After he accidentally shaved it off a couple games ago or a couple weeks ago, it's back. It's there in full force, and it should be there helping him out uh, against Penn State. Also, I don't get how you accidentally shave a goatee. Probably the same way you accidentally get sacked eight times. <laughs> oh, or throw three interceptions. Ooh. Yeah, but the you know, the goatee's back. So if you believe in that sort of thing, then. There you go. You got a night game, you got alternate uniforms, you got the stripes, you got a flyover, and you have the goatee. Yeah. There's literally nothing else you could need. I mean, maybe like a good offensive line, but... Maybe, yeah. That that's just like one. logistical. You don't really need that. Goatee greater than <laughs> a line. So with all of that being said, all of the advantages Iowa has, let's get to some predictions. Mills, what's your take? Well... Iowa looked pretty bad last weekend. Penn State looked pretty good last weekend. So, Sean Clifford, <laughs> he's a very good quarterback. I think that the Iowa defensive line and secondary looked great last weekend. I think he's going to struggle. I cannot possibly see a way that Nate Stanley does any worse than he did last weekend. A lot of that's not on him. I, I don't want to act like I'm putting the blame on him, because there were a lot of factors that went into three interceptions and eight sacks. But, I, I don't know, I think Iowa bounces back and gets the win this weekend just because of how good the defensive line and secondaries looked. I think Tyler Goodson has a big game. I'm feeling feeling two touchdowns from Tyler Goodson this weekend. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Wouldn't that be something? That would be something. Robert, what do you think? I'm going Iowa in this one. I feel like with we talked about the Kinnick atmosphere, that's going to be crazy, and all the perfect storm of things uh, should go Iowa's way, but I think it'll be a rebound game for the Iowa offense and for Nate Stanley. Uh, that offensive line, Alaric Jackson has another week under his belt. He looked a little shaky in his first week back from injury, but he should be better uh, in his second week back. Offensive line as a whole really should be should play better this week. It's hard to play worse than giving up eight sacks, even though that's also not on them. But I, I think Stanley's in for a rebound game uh, this week, and the defense should just continue off of what we saw last week against Michigan. I'm going, especially with the goatee back for Stanley, that's a big factor in this. I was going to win this ball game. So I really want to go with Penn State on this one. But I'm very superstitious, a.k.a. the baseball fan in me. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> No. I am extremely superstitious. The night game, the uniforms, the stripes, Kinnick, they all get me a little bit. So I'm going with Iowa. If I go own five and on the line again, that's the sacrifice I'm willing to take. But (laughs) Mills just finding out that happened. But I'm gonna go with Iowa because there's a little bit of magic there. So Can I say something really quick? Yes, Mills. Mills is raising his hand. He's raising his (laughs) hand. Yes, Mr. Mills. 
Would you like to share with the rest of the class? Yeah, I would. I'm not sure how I feel about the gold uniforms. Yeah. I agree with you there. They give me very, they give me Michigan vibes. So after yeah. last weekend, I don't know, but I mean, like, you don't get alternate uniforms often. So. No, that's cool. I like it. Changing it up. Never wear gold uniforms. Can't have the throwback banana peels on them. That's fair. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. As long as Nate Stanley doesn't slip on a banana peel, then fine. I don't mind these uniforms, but the alternate uniforms they wore a couple years ago against Ohio State were pretty much perfect as far as alternate yes. uniforms go. Those so anything nice. from that is going to be a step down. Okay, as long as the gold from the helmets and the uniforms match. It, because in 2015, against Minnesota, when they wore those blackout uniforms, you know what I'm talking about. I love about. those uniforms. Yeah, but the gold on those the helmet, Tigerhawk, yes. didn't match the gold on the jerseys. The gold on the jerseys was darker, and it drove me insane. Okay, well, I didn't notice that. The gold needs to be the same, and I'll be happy. That's all I'm asking for, and it's not a lot. I didn't notice that because I'm not a very picky person. You know, some of us are. Um, that's why I decided no, that, to cover <laughs> That's fair. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about the gold uniforms. So, if Iowa loses this weekend, that might be why. Okay. That's a take from Mills. Yeah. And my prediction now... I was split on this as we started recording this podcast. However, I don't think Iowa... I think they go one and one in this Michigan-Penn State stretch. So I think they're going to come out firing after losing and playing horrifically on offense against Michigan. I don't think they can do that again. If they do, that's bad news. But Iowa's lost five straight to Penn State. Haven't won a game against the Nittany Lions since 2010. And you had that heartbreaker in Kinnick two years ago. One of Nate Stanley's worst performances of his career against Penn State last year. I think finally Iowa avenges that and gets back in the win column. Assuming they fix the offensive line and Stanley doesn't play like he did last year, which I don't think that week. happens yeah. <laughs> or last week, but I don't think that happens two weeks in a row. So I'm taking Iowa. Four for Iowa. I did not see that coming, if we're being honest. Especially Mills, the pessimist. I went with Iowa. I was right. Was superstition. I was right last week. You were right. She was not right in any picks last week. <laughs> <week. laughs> let's roast Anna right now. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's do a Mount Rushmore, guys. It's, Why not? It, it's been a whole week since we've done one. I'm itching for a Mount Rushmore. And this one's extra good. With the night game, we got Mount Rushmore of things that are better at night. <laughs> I, hate <you. laughs> I hate you. I knew that was coming. <laughs> so if you want me to kick it off, I can go ahead because I've ahead. had mine ready. I go got ahead. mine too. Okay. Things that are better at night. Last week, I made a SpongeBob reference on things that are big. The lint out of Patrick Star's belly button. I'm sticking with the SpongeBob this week. When you burn your hand on a grill at night, it's still painful, but it's at night. <laughs> it was just like, everyone was just deadpan. <laughs> and then, eventually, the... Hash Sling Slasher comes, but he ends up just wanting a job as a fry cook at the Krusty Krab, so it all works out. 
Nothing to get that <laughs> adrenaline pumping like a night game at the Krusty Krab. I'm I'm becoming a little concerned in your intake of SpongeBob. Yeah. Same. Anyway, I'll go next. I'm gonna go with the classic game mechanic. There's literally nothing better than it. Beating Ohio State, which wasn't at night, but it ended at night, so that works. Beating Michigan, even that Penn State game two years ago, which ultimately was a heartbreaker, but a great game at that. They don't play bad at night. It can. This weekend's gonna be fun. Whether you're at the game, whether you're watching on TV, whether you're just in Iowa City, it's a night game at Kinnick. It can't get better than that. Sticking to the sports theme of things at night, it's the time of the season for it. I don't really have a, I don't have a team in the race oh, this no. year. No, 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 no. Playoff baseball at night is one of the best sporting events you can watch. The atmosphere in whatever stadium, even the Rays and the A's had significant uh, amount of fans in the stadium this season for playoff games and no one goes to their games during the regular season <laughs> yeah. but uh every pitch is dramatic every inning every game it's just a thrilling atmosphere and having it at night just adds to that and you gotta love every pitch of postseason baseball especially at night and the voice of joe buck trickling into your no throat. no yeah, we're right. not getting joe into buck. that right now but no, that's wrong. You're wrong. That's a, that's a cold You're wrong. You're wrong. Kaiser, what, what are you doing with these takes tonight? <laughs> he's First a, he's, you say Kanye's dude, bad. Joe Buck, say Joe he's Buck's a bad. wonderful baseball announcer. Joe Buck is no. the most average he's a wonderful he, I can't say announcer. it because the words going through my head are inappropriate for podcasting right now. But no, he's not. I think he, has he a... picks favorites. If he was paid by the Cubs, I wouldn't be surprised. But I mean, everybody at this point is paid by the Cubs. So like, what are you going to do about it? Does that even um, mean? Joe Buck is no. And, yeah, that's what I got for it. Also, going off of Robert's point, I would agree that baseball at night is a great thing. If they would, like, maybe switch it up and have some games during the day and some games at night rather than having the Dodgers Nationals literally always in the primetime spot. But, I mean, I'm not mad or anything. Okay, mine? Yes. Um, I'm not a board game guy, but board game night. Oh, I love board game night. at night? I, I love Yahtzee. I I like Monopoly, but I don't like Monopoly in the daytime because I lost when I was little. So I'm, I'm kind of feel, I feel weird about Monopoly now because I lost when I was little. But, like, at dusk, you start playing a game. You never know. I'm probably going to win. <laughs> I also, I, what other board games do I like? I like... <laughs> are there any board games you prefer strictly during the day? Or are they all The game night? of life. As, it, during the day or at night? It's more realistic in the daytime. It's, it's, okay. It's actually good game during the day. What, the I'd agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Clue DVD. Very D- fun game. DVD? Yeah, there's a DVD version. <laughs> there is a DVD version. <laughs> Clue at night's fun, though. Clue at night, it's, it's a spooky game. It's, it's that like fits a, the vibe. It, it does. It fits the vibe. Spooky season. Yeah, so board games. Yahtzee takes the cake, though. So shout out Yahtzee for being the king of board games. But only at night. Also, it doesn't have a board. So, don't really know if it so, game at night. Yeah, game night. Everyone's invi- all you listeners are invited. And on that <laughs> note, it's been a fun episode. It's gonna be a fun game Saturday. Let's have a week, guys, and let's keep that football season going. Season.